everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. I was at some Christian friends two nights ago, and I told them I'm going to preach on TV a sermon, Does God Harden People's Hearts? And a Christian woman says, oh no, God is love. God does not harden anyone's heart. And I said to her, according to the Bible, yes, he does. This is the same question as, does God predestine people? Does God determine beforehand who's going to believe in Christ? Well, um, I'm going to answer yes to those questions, but let me tell you that if you don't believe in predestination, I want you to read Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. Those are the three predestination chapters in the New Testament. In those chapters, the Apostle Paul, who is Jewish himself, is wrestling with the question, did God fail to keep His promise to save the Jews? Because God promised to send the Jews a Savior, and when the Savior comes, most of the Jews reject Him. So did God fail to keep His covenant with the Jews? And Paul basically in Romans 9, 10, and 11 says three things. Number one, well, God never promised to save each and every single Jew. There is a remnant of Jews that still believe in Christ. And then Paul says, God is free. He's sovereign to choose whom He wills and harden whom He wills. And then the third thing he says, Paul says, even the Jewish unbelief and the Gentile, non-Jew, faith is predicted in the Old Testament. So uh, that's the bad news. It kind of sounds like God is done with the Jews. But no, the good news is, we're going to learn right now in Romans uh, chapter 11, it ain't over till it's over. God has a future plan for the Jews. So let's discover what it is. Would you take out your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 11, and let's pray. Father, we pray if there are any Jewish people that happen to have tuned in, that you would fulfill your covenant with them and bring them to faith in Jesus the Messiah. Lord, for all of us Gentiles, us non-Jews that are watching, which is probably almost everybody, we pray that if there are people watching this show that do not believe in Christ, that you will unharden their heart and bring them to saving faith in Jesus. And Lord, this is a difficult issue now. We pray that you give us clarity and help us understand these deeper truths of Scripture. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Rome, starting at verse 1. I say then, I, Paul, the Apostle, the Jewish Apostle, I say then, God has not rejected His people, the Jews, has He? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So has God rejected the Jews? Paul says, no, I'm a Jew, I'm a Christian, and I'm a Jew. So here's the first lesson. It is possible to be Jewish and Christian at the same time. Paul the Apostle was Jewish. Uh, Jesus was Jewish. All the 12 disciples were Jewish. 
All the early Christians were Jewish. So yes, it is possible to be a Christian and a Jew at the same time. There is a sad heresy now in some of our liberal Protestant churches that teach Jews don't need Christ to be saved. Jews are saved by the Old Testament. Christians are saved by the New Testament. But we're all saved. Jewish Apostle Paul would say absolutely everybody needs Christ to be saved. The Jew, the Gentile, the Buddhist, the Hindu, the Muslim, everybody needs Christ to be saved. And, and, and that's, that's the point of his teaching here. So verse 2. God has not rejected his people, the Jews, whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how Elijah pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and torn down thine altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is God's response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, then, there is at this present time also come to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Here's the next lesson. There has always been a remnant who believed. Back in 850 B.C., Elijah the prophet thinks he's the only Jew left who believes in God. And God says, no, Elijah, there are 7,000 Jews who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And Paul is saying the same thing here. Even in 57 AD, when Paul is writing the book of Romans, he says, even today there is a remnant. There are still Jews who believe in Christ. There's a small group. And this is still true today. There are Jewish Christians today. We did, go to our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, and, and look at the show. I did a whole show talking to a Christian Jew. So uh, it, it still is possible. I hope you don't think I'm picking on the Jews because it's also true the great majority of non-Jews, Gentiles, have rejected Christ too. But so uh, everybody's in trouble <laughs> without Christ. Which, uh, but there is a remnant of, of Jews. There's a remnant of Gentiles who do believe in Christ. So here's the next lesson. The remnant is small. That's what remnant means. Uh, in other words, Christians, we're not in the minority, uh, we're not in the majority anymore. And I will say for 250 years, Christians in America have had a very good ride. We have really influenced government in America for 250 years. Well, to quote Bob Dylan, the times, they are a-changin'. And here is a town in New Jersey, and the school board has voted they're not going to call it St. Valentine's Day anymore because that has religious connotations. They're going to call it Special Person Day. <laughs> how, and, and the question I'm wondering, how far are we going to start taking this now to de-Christianize America? St. Paul, Minnesota. Do we have to get rid of the word St. Paul? San Francisco, California, named after St. Francis. San Diego, California. Los Angeles, Los Angeles. All these have, are we going to have, to have to get rid of all of these names now? <laughs> Um, Christians, more and more, you and I are a minority in America now. It didn't used to be that way, but it's turning that way. I mean, for instance, if you don't believe we should pay for abortions with tax dollars, well, in some states, in, in Minnesota, because of a ruling of the Minnesota State Supreme Court, we pay for lots of abortions now in Minnesota with tax dollars. In the state of Minnesota, maybe this is going on in your state, wherever you're at, 
In our public schools, there's a program called Out for Good that promotes transgenderism and homosexuality to grade school students. Um, you know, are we in the minority? I, I th I'm afraid Christian values has become a minority. But I remember an old pastor saying, God has never promised that there would be more than a remnant. So I was talking with this Christian youth director, and uh, 30, she was sharing Christ with 30 students, many of whom went to church. And she said, she was so sad, she said the majority, the great majority of these 30 teenagers sought absolutely nothing wrong with premarital sex as long as you feel you're ready. <laughs> so there's a remnant. I will say this, though. God is raising up a remnant of young people who love the Lord. You know, periodically I'll talk to a teenager who is light years ahead of where I was when I was 16 years old. So, yeah, it's, there, there definitely is a remnant of young people who love the Lord in America. So pray for them. Uh, let's read something else about the remnant. Look at Romans 11, verse 5. In the same way, then, there's come also at the present time to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Here's the next lesson. The remnant is chosen by God. Jesus said to the disciples in John 15, disciples, you did not choose me, I chose you. Many times in the Bible, Christians are called the elect. That means the chosen one. And, and I will tell you this, if you're watching this program and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's because God chose you. You couldn't believe in him on your own. The reason you have faith in Christ is God chose you and gave you faith in Christ. Now, how did God choose you? Look at verse uh, 6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. That's your good works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Here's the next lesson. The remnant is chosen by grace, not works. In other words, the reason God chose you is not because he saw beforehand you were going to be better than somebody else. He just chose you because of his grace. The word, God, the word grace means God's unearned favor. Let's say that it's $10 to get into the theater. You've got a quarter, I've got a dime. Which of us is getting in? Neither of us. <laughs> you might be a little better than me, you got a quarter, but, but we're still so far so short we're not getting into that theater until Jesus comes along, pays the $10 and $10 and gives both of us in. That's what grace is. We can't save ourselves. And the reason God chose you and foreordained you and predestined you wasn't because he saw something in you. It wasn't your good works. It was just his grace. Look at verse 7. What then? That which Israel, Jews, are seeking for, that's salvation, it has not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Hardened. Here's the next lesson. The majority of the Jews were hardened. To this day, most Jews do not believe in Jesus as their Messiah. I had a Jewish roommate in college. We still talk on a rare occasion. And I would share Jesus with him. We had some good, deep talks but there was just kind of a hardness, no thank you. To, to this day, there's a group called the Orthodox Jews. They're the most conservative. Sometimes when somebody in their family leaves Orthodox Judaism and becomes a Christian, 
they'll hold a funeral service for that member of the family, and from then on, they are dead to that member of the family. There, there, there is a hardness in, in uh, uh, the, some of the Jews. And again, I'm not picking on the Jews. There's a hardness in the non-Jews, the Gentiles too. More, non, more Gentiles don't believe in Christ than Jews that do. But let's ask the hard question. Who hardened the Jewish heart? Look at verse 8. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not, down to this very day. So according to that verse, who hardened the Jew's heart? The answer is God. Now, I know that's a difficult verse. One New Testament scholar said this. Here in chapter 9 of Romans, St. Paul states the dark mystery of the way God deals with sinners and gives no attempt at explicitly clearing things up. Paul does not try to conjure away the cloud around the throne. He commits the mystery to the judge of all the earth. In other words, why does God choose to save some people and and then hardens other people? Well, some of this is a mystery. Um, uh, Here's part of the answer. Earlier in Romans chapter 9, Paul says God makes some vessels to display his glory. Those are the people who get saved. And there are other vessels God makes for destruction, and that dis- displays God's wrath and holiness. So uh, both sinner and converted and unconverted, they both display the glory of God one way or another. That's part of the answer. But this is where I just have to say, God, I don't understand all this, but I trust you're a God of mercy and you're more fair than I will ever be, even though I don't understand all this. <clears throat> Look at verse 9. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not, and bend their backs forever. Here's the next lesson. Beware if you harden your heart, God can make you spiritually blind. This is from Proverbs 29. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. You know, people say, well, pastor, I want to sin my whole life, but on my deathbed, I'll convert to Christ. Well, I've seen this. You do that, your heart can get so hard You can't turn to God on your deathbed. And you don't know if you're even going to have a deathbed. You might be taken in a car accident. But people, I remember, so I I visit the hospital. Here's a man dying of lung cancer. He knows he has days, maybe weeks, but he knows he's dying. So I went into the hospital room, Mrs. So-and-so, can I share the gospel? Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead, turn to him and you'll be saved. His response I have had no room for God in my life up to this point. Wouldn't be right for me to turn to him now. And I'm thinking, who cares if it's right or fair, I think is, I think is the way he, he worded it. Just do it. But you know, he didn't. He couldn't. His heart was so hard. Now, um, I'm going to share one more story that I've told on TV before, but this will make the point. Years ago, I'm at the church office. Dear woman of our church calls me. Pastor Brock, my husband is dying. He's an atheist. Would you come talk to him? 
So I drove to their house, went into the living room, and here he was on a hospital bed in their living room, dying. And I sat next to him, I said, well, Mr. So-and-so, it just sounds like you're not gonna live much longer, but let me just tell you that God loves you. And even though we're sinners and we all deserve to go to hell, God loved you so much that Jesus became a man, died on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And Mr. So-and-so, would you like to accept Christ before you die? And he looked at me and he said, no. And then here's what I'll never forget. His dear wife got on her knees next to his bed and begged her husband to receive Christ. And he looked at her and said, no. And within a few days, he was dead. <laughs> Look, if you're putting off Christ because you'll convert later, your heart can get so hard, you can't convert later. All right, all this talk might lead you to think that God is done with the Jews. Well, is he? Look at verse 11. I say then, they, the Jews, did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. So the good news here is, no, God has a future for the Jews. He's not finished with the Jews. But, you know, let's ask this question. Has any good happened or resulted because the Jews rejected Christ? And the answer is yes. Look at, look at uh, uh, verse 11 again. But by their rejection, the Jewish rejection, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So here's the good thing that happened out of a bad thing. Salvation came to the Gentiles. If you read the book of Acts, the pattern is Paul goes into a town, preaches the gospel to the Jews. They, in a majority, reject it. So Paul turns to the non-Jews, the Gentiles, and they often accept it. So often that's a pattern. The Jews reject it, so Paul preaches the gospel to the Gentiles. They accept it. Um, so, uh, and look at the other good, good result of this. Um, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them, the Jews, jealous. Here's the next lesson today. Your faith in Christ can make people jealous. So my Jewish roommate in college, I remember years ago, there was a Billy Graham movie that came to Grinnell, Iowa, and my Jewish roommate went to the movie. That kind of surprised me. And at the end of the movie, they had an altar call and come forward if you'd like to give your life to Christ. My Jewish roommate said, you know, Tom, I thought about doing that. But then he kind of laughed, who wants to get converted at Grinnell Movie Theater? And so he didn't. But I was amazed that he got that close. And, you know, your faith in Christ makes people jealous. You've got something they don't have. I mean, I learned this back in college. I would go, my buddy and I would go to this Italian restaurant a lot, and we would talk deep theology, Bible, you know, purpose in life. What, what. And I just often remember people in the next booth leaning their ears in, wanting to hear this. <laughs> you know, um, if you have a faith in Christ, you've got meaning, purpose in your life, you've got eternal life, you've got peace of mind, you've you got something the world doesn't have. And, and it's good when they get jealous of that. It might save them. Look and now at the Jews' future. Now, you might not know this. Look at verse 12. Now, if there the Jewish transgression be riches for the world and their failure be riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? 
But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles inasmuch as I, Paul, and am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. If so, somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen, the Jews, and save some of them. For if there the Jewish rejection be reconciliation of the world, salvation of the Gentiles, what will their acceptance of Christ be but life from the dead? Now, you might not know this. Here's the next lesson. When the Jews accept Christ, resurrection day is near. I think that verse teaches there will be a large conversion of, of Jews to Christ before the second coming. And when people say, well, you know, pastor, what's the sign of the end? Are we in the end times? How can you know that Christ is near? One sign is when you see lots of Jews coming to Christ, I think that's a sign the end is near. Look at verse 16. And if the first piece of dough, that maybe be Abraham, be holy, the lump, the Jews that came from him, is also. And if the root, Abraham, be holy, the branches, the Jews are too. But if some of the branches, the Jews, were broken off, and you, being a wild olive shoot, the Gentile, were grafted in among them and became partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree, Abraham, do not be arrogant toward the branches, the Jews, but if you are arrogant, remember, it is not you who supports the root, but the root, Judaism, supports you. You will say to me then, branches were broken off because of uh, that I might be grafted in. Paul says, quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief, but you, Gentile, stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, the Jews, neither will he spare you, Gentile believer, if, if you reject Christ. I, I see two warnings for the Gentiles in, in those verses. Number one, beware of anti-Semitism. When someone makes a joke about the Jews or insults the Jews, don't laugh at that. And the other lesson I get from those verses, continue in your faith or you too will be cut off. I'm a Lutheran pastor. I've been a Lutheran pastor for many years. Every year there, you, you confirm a group of ninth graders. And they get in front of the church and they say, I'm going to follow Christ to the rest of my life and I'm going to be a Christian. And my heartache as a pastor, within a year, so many of them have vanished and you never see them in church again. And this verse teaches here, no, no, you have to continue in your faith or you're going to be cut off. And look at verse 23. And they also, the Jews, if they do not continue in their unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you, the Gentiles, were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a culture cultivated olive tree, Abraham's religion, how much more shall these Jews, who were are the national brand, natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? All right, here's the last lesson. If a Jew or anyone turns back to God, God will graft them back in. So I remember back in my college days, I was part of a Bible study. We met five times a week. There was a guy named John in my Bible study, loved the Lord, prayed. In fact, John married a friend of mine, so I've kept in contact with him throughout the years. Years ago, 35 years ago, 
John turned his back on Christ and rejected Christianity, didn't raise his kids to be Christian. Um, and I have been praying for John for 35 years. A few years ago, he comes back to Christ. He's praying again. He's going to church again. And the good news is, maybe you've got a son or a daughter who was confirmed in the Lutheran church or Catholic church or Baptist church, got baptized, you know, and they have turned their back and they're walking away from the Lord. Well, the good news of this verse is, if they will turn back to Christ, Christ will graft them back in. And um, it ain't over till it's over. And I, I just want to close with one last thought here. So I, I, years ago, I'm in the office. The phone rings. Pastor Brock, you don't know us, but we watch your TV show. My husband's an atheist, but he likes you. And my husband is dying. And he said, it's okay if you come over and talk with him. And his Christian wife says, would you please? And I said, I'll, I'll get back to you. And I, I hung up the phone and I prayed. Lord, should I do this? I don't know these people. I can't drive all over to see the TV audience. But it was as if the Lord said, you go. And I called her back up and I said, I'm coming over. <laughs> and turns out they were one block from my church. So I go to their house. I walk into the living room. Here he is kind of crippled up in a wheelchair. He's in his last days. And he's kind of a crusty guy. And he says, first, first thing I remember him saying, I don't know if I believe in the Trinity. I said, well, we should believe in the Trinity. The Bible teaches there's one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I sat down and his wife is sitting next to me on the couch. She's been praying for this guy for 50 years. And um, I start sharing the gospel with him. Mr. So-and-so, we're all sinners. We deserve hell when we die. But listen to this. God loved us so much. God came down from heaven, became a human being. His name is Jesus. He lived the perfect life we couldn't so he could pay for our sins. He died on the cross to pay for our sins, rose from the dead. And Mr. So-and-so, would you like to receive Jesus Christ so your sins can be forgiven and you can go to heaven when you die? And this man said, you know, I would. <laughs> and his wife, who's been praying, I've, I've been hearing her pray under her voice. Uh, she goes nuts. And we prayed. He accepted Christ. And if I remember right, within a couple days, he was gone. But my final point is, if you have a, a loved one or you yourself have wandered away from Christ and turned your back, if you will come back to Christ, he will graft you in again. Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible. And Jackie, Lord. we're out of time. We got two seconds left. I'm sorry I preached too long. <laughs> so, we, so say goodbye, Jackie. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. We sorry. pray that God will grant you his richest blessings. <laughs> Thank you for watching the pastor's study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, 
Would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.